Our gospel reading today comes from Mark chapter 7. Now, when the Pharisees and some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem gathered around him, they noticed that some of his disciples were eating with defiled hands, that is, without washing them. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they thoroughly wash their hands. Good practice. Thus observing the tradition of the elders. And they do not eat anything from the market unless they wash it. And there are also many other traditions that they observe, the washing of cups, pots, and bronze kettles. So the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not live according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? He said to them, Isaiah prophesied rightly about you hypocrites. As it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching human precepts as doctrines. You abandon the commandment of God and hold to human tradition. Then he said to them, You have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to keep your tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and your mother, and whoever speaks evil of father or mother must surely die. But you say that if anyone tells father or mother, Whatever support you might have had for me is Corban, that is, an offering to God, then you no longer permit doing anything for a father or mother, thus making void the word of God through your tradition that you have handed on. And you do many things like this. Then he called the crowd again and said to them, Listen to me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going in can defile, but the things that come out are what defile. But when he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about the parable. He said to them, Then do you also fail to understand? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from the outside cannot defile, since it enters not the heart but the stomach and goes out into the sewer? Thus he declared all foods clean. And he said, it is what comes out of a person that defiles. For it is from within, from the human heart, that evil intentions come. Fornication, theft, murder, adultery, avarice, wickedness, deceit, licentiousness, envy, slander, pride, folly. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. And yet we still say, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning, everyone. It's a tough note to end on in a scripture, and yet it's got a lot to say to us this morning, and I'm excited to be here with you to, to be able to talk about it. My name is Jenny Seibel. I'm one of the pastors here at Emmanuel, and it's really good to be with you. Um, I do want to say one thing before I start. Where did they go? Oh, Matt and Danae. Um, Matt and Danae Kinnamore are here, and I, y'all may not know them, but they are like, they're a family to us. They are missionaries that were sent out to, to Germany a few years ago, and Matt was a... Uh, was it fellow? Is that the right word? Yeah. At, at when we were Trinity Eastside, and it, my heart is just exploding that they're here, um, just for a short time before they go back to Germany. And so I just want you all to look at them. There they are, and say hello. <laughs> we're so glad you're here. Uh, yeah, you may not know them, but they are a part of our family, and I'm just so glad that they're here. Um, so before we begin, uh, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to pray for for you all and um, for for us, and then we'll we'll get into the sermon. God, what a gift it is to be in your house today. Let us not forget that. That just to be here is such a gift. 
to be sitting amongst one another and reading your word together and praying to you together, to celebrate the Eucharist together. We praise you, Lord. We ask you, Jesus, to reveal your words to us this morning. Would you use this time to say what you want to say? Give us eyes to see and ears to hear you. We pray for Matt and Danae, Lord. We just bless them. We thank you for the gift of their presence here this morning. Um, we pray that this time at home will be um, renewing for them, that they will go uh, be sent back out into the world with, with the gift of your spirit, um, deeper uh, sense of peace and rest from this time. And we thank you just for bringing them to us, for letting them uh, be here this morning to worship together. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I know you didn't think you'd be called out, so thank you for letting me do that. Uh, we're still in the Gospel of Mark this morning, and um, so it's, it's helpful to remind ourselves a little bit about what this Gospel does and, and who Mark wants you to know Jesus is. And um, one of those things that Mark loves to kind of uh, use over and over again, this image of Jesus, is Jesus as a sort of revealer. As, as a person who has come to kind of take the lid off of things or uncover things to reveal what they really are. And that's what's happening in this text. So not only does Jesus come to kind of lift the sheet or the cover off of things that are blinding us to the reality of what's really there, what's really underneath, but Jesus also comes as a revealer to reveal a totally new thing, which is cool because Jesus does both of those things in this text. He takes the cover off of these kinds of traditions that the Pharisees have been uh, engaging in for a long time. He lifts them off and he says, actually, here's the real thing that's underneath that we need to pay attention to. So he's a revealer in that way. And then also there's this moment where Mark says out of nowhere, the in parentheses part where it says, and thus he made all foods clean, which you don't see that much. So when you see that in a gospel, um, you should say, oh, this is trying to tell me something specific, which we'll go into a little bit more later. But what Jesus is doing there is revealing a whole new thing. So not just uncovering an old thing, but actually revealing a brand new thing that he's doing in the world. Um, and so this is the Jesus that we come to know in the gospel of Mark and in the, in the Bible, um, that we come to know him as the one who is revealing things to us, um, things that we need to see and um, that are old and we need to see underneath and new things that he's doing in our lives and in the world. So there are three kind of sections in this text that I want to go through. And um, so there's, it's less three points and more three questions because Jesus as the revealer maybe causes us to ask more questions than maybe even we had before. So it's a good posture, I believe, to kind of enter a text like this where a lot's happening and be question askers rather than point makers. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to answer these three questions. What is Jesus saying about traditions? What does it mean that Jesus declares all food clean? And what is Jesus meaning in the parable? Um, spoiler alert, the answer to all three <laughs> is uh, Jesus is saying it's the heart that matters. So what we're going to do is go through all of these questions to see why that's the point of what Jesus is saying and what he's saying specifically about that in each one of these sections. So the first thing is, what is Jesus saying about traditions? What's going on in this moment is that the religious community of Jesus' day, in, in this community, tr these traditions have developed out of the law. And they no longer really function as they're meant to. They no longer function out of the law itself. They've kind of created their own new way of, of doing life and doing uh, religion in the world that Jesus lived in. Uh, they're no longer guarding and guiding the people of Israel. Instead, Scripture has now been used to create traditions that no longer... Um, 
they, they move in particular directions. They support particular programs and always to the benefit of someone, typically someone in power. Uh, so these traditions have been taken out of the law, were very good at first, kind of morphed over time and now are something that only benefits the religious elite. And Jesus obviously has a problem with this. In the example Jesus gives, the, these religious folks would misuse scripture and create traditions in order to undermine the law in terms of care for their parents, which it quotes in there a very important law from the Ten Commandments about parents. What is it, church? Honor your father and your mother. And they've created a tradition in which they no longer have to do that. Things were not good. This is not good for these people. And so Jesus is here to say, like, hey, these traditions you've created is undermining the law of God. And so I'm here to kind of take off the traditions and reveal to you the truth of what's underneath here. It's this kind of old debate of tradition versus scripture, which is the debate that's been clearly going on for a really long time. This was the whole debate of the Reformation, even, that Luther and other reformers saw that the Catholic Church was using tradition to undermine scripture, and thus this transformation of, of religious society began in the Reformation. Jesus in this moment, however, wasn't simply supporting a sort of abstract idea of tradition or even an abstract idea of scripture. What he was doing was he was challenging this moment with his whole entire kingdom movement, his whole life himself and the legacy he was going to leave Christians in the world. Um, the very basis, challenging the very basis of which the Pharisees had built up their entire lives, their entire belief systems. So this is not a casual moment that's happening, is what I'm trying to say. So what Jesus begins here and then accomplishes in this debate in this portion of scripture is this idea of motivations. Or as scripture would put it, the heart. Because tradition isn't inherently bad. It's a very good thing in many cases. Many of the things that we do here are traditions. So traditions aren't bad. Um, however, when tradition will turn sour when our motivations aren't pure or as Jesus would even call them, evil because their hearts were selfish and greedy, their interpretation of scripture and thus the traditions that they held were to their own benefit at the expense of others, which Jesus can have none of in his kingdom. Joel Marcus, a Mark scholar, one of the, I think he's the best, uh, he says this about this moment in scripture. It is this malignancy, the evil within us, that chokes the life out of tradition, turns it into an enemy of God, contorts it into a way of excusing injustice and blinds those afflicted by it to their own culpability for the evils that trouble this world. So I'll just say this in addition to this section, that we've all seen this. We've all seen what happens when someone takes scripture or church or even Jesus himself and uses it for their own gain, for their own power. And we've seen how hurtful that can be and how, how awful it truly is. If anyone's been listening to the uh, Rise and Fall of Mars Hill podcast, you know, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. There's a lot in the world right now that speaks to this. And yet what I want to say to you, and the question I'm asking myself, and I think a lot of us are asking this who are, have listened to this podcast, is in what way am I also culpable? Because Jesus teaches this not to a group of people outside of ourselves, but we are also meant to ask the question, what is Jesus saying to me in this? How do I identify as one of these people who may be using this faith for my own gain and my own power? It's a very important question for us to ask. So, second section. What does it mean that Jesus declares all foods clean? This moment is a sort of hinge point between 
bad intent or bad uh, traditions and evil intentions, right? That um, there's this strange little moment where we get like kind of injected into Jewish society, maybe even more than we are in the rest of the text. And Jesus declares all food clean. And like, what are we supposed to do with that? How are we supposed to think about that? Um, and yet, is it a really important moment and makes good news out of both of these other sections? So I want to say what Mark is not saying and what he is saying with this moment in scripture. He is not saying that the Old Testament no longer matters. We can now throw it out. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying that Jesus has abolished the law of God. He is saying that the laws of God were signposts that pointed to a destination. And he is saying that Jesus is that destination and we have reached it in him. Jesus was offering the reality of what these signposts in the Old Testament, these purity laws were pointing to. When you arrive at the destination, you no longer need the signposts anymore. Not because they were worthless, but because they were right. <laughs> because they were correct. And so with that, we know that we can look at these things, these old laws, and not say, like, I have nothing to do with those anymore. But be grateful for them and ask, in what ways did these things point to Jesus? In what ways do they still point to Jesus? Jesus would have us read the Old Testament and ask, like, in what ways did this prepare the world for him? So not just to, like, throw it out and just read the New Testament, but to ask really good questions about how this, how this text led to who Jesus was, prepared the way for him. Purity laws were meant always to point to the real thing, the real need of humans to have a deeper purity than like clean hands, but purity of motive, a pure heart. By focusing on outward purity, which is okay for that to be a way into the deeper thing, but these religious elites only focused on the outside and used the inside things for their own gain. So all of their energy was pointed towards these outside purity things. They were avoiding the much deeper challenge of the gospel, which is the challenge of the human heart, and it's the challenge Jesus came to give us. So thirdly, what is Jesus' meaning in the parable? Which you may be like, what parable? Because <laughs> mostly we're, we're used to reading these long parables that Jesus gives. Usually there's like maybe a king or a father involved. Um, but this parable is really short. It's one line, and it's this. Nothing from the outside can defile... And it's what comes from the inside and goes out that defiles. So what now defiles, is Jesus trying to say? Not food, not dirty hands, but evil intentions, bad motives. So I think it's helpful, firstly, to say what evil means. Because some of you are, hear the word evil and you're in a church and you're like, <laughs> power down, like, I'm done. I don't want to listen to anything about evil. Um, and that's okay. That's, it's, it's a tough word. So here's what I'll say about this word. Evil means not as it ought to be, which is a much gentler definition than I think most of us have uh, heard in our life. Not pure. A lot of us have heard this uh, in terms of sin as uh, evil. Evil in the human heart makes us feel like we are inherently bad. Um, and I'm not saying that that's not wrong. But what I'm saying is that message to people actually distracts from the purpose of what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying there is evil in the human heart not to just condemn us, not to condemn us. But in order to rearrange our vision to see like, oh, I actually need to do something here. I actually need someone to help me not live this way, to do something different. So when we say evil, heart is evil. What we're saying is your heart is not as it ought to be. 
which I think if I asked each of you individually, you would say that is absolutely true. It's not as it ought to be. Dallas Willard says this, we must see the soul and the person in its ruined condition with its malformed and dysfunctional mind, feelings, body, and social relations before we can understand that it must be delivered and reformed and how that can be done. One of the greatest obstacles to effective spiritual formation in Christ today is the simple failure to understand and acknowledge the reality of the human situation as it affects Christians and non-Christians alike. We must start from where we really are. The heart is the seed of all that is enacted in the world. It's where everything is birthed in us. It's this sort of incubation place. It's the place out of which we live. Keeping in check with our heart is how we keep in check our traditions and our habits and our worldviews. The question for us at all times, the internal work of the Christian is, what is my motivation for this? What's going on in my heart? It's the question we ask in prayer. It's the question we're meant to ask ourselves all the time. It's unique to us. So when we look at what Jesus is saying in this last section, this list of sins, and this is maybe my favorite part of the sermon, so if you haven't been listening, you can listen now. In Jesus' fulfillment of the law, what is now that will defile according to this list? If you think about this list of sins he gave. Not loving our neighbor is what defiles. And what does defile mean? To treat something as whole, that is holy as less than holy, as common. So for Jesus, the issue isn't the washing of hands. It's how well am I loving my neighbor? The point of purity laws is so that we can create a world in which we can love our neighbor better. We can guard our heart in such a way that we are actually able to give out of ourselves rather than look around and see what we can take. The whole point of Jesus of these purity laws, purity way of life, is to love your neighbor better. So in Jesus, you don't have to be afraid of what might defile you anymore. You know exactly what it is. And we pray a confession to, to be undefiled every week in church, right? So it's clear in Jesus what this means. So there, I believe, are two kind of gifts in Jesus' fulfillment of the law for us in his admonition to get to the heart of the matter. Two things that I believe are the work of the Christian, and that's how we'll end today. The first thing is that we must examine our hearts or guard our hearts, as the Bible would say that we are entrusted with a heart as a human being, and it's our job to guard it, examine it, take care of it. That's the first gift, I believe, of the fulfillment of the law in Jesus. So I'll say a couple of things about that. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. If you went to youth group in the 90s or the 2000s, you probably know that scripture by heart. Um, the ways in which I believe that we are meant to guard our hearts, to do this work of examination, of taking care of our hearts in such a way that Jesus calls us to is three things. Prayer, reading scripture, and seeking guidance. In prayer, what we are meant to do is to put ourselves before God uh, under the light of his examination. We're meant to come into the light of the Holy Spirit, the light of who Jesus is, and say, search me and know me, O God. See if there's any evil way in me. And that's not from me. That's from the psalmist. That's, that is what we are meant to pray when we go before God in prayer, is ask for God to reveal these things in us so that we can live out of a place where we actually love our neighbor better. 
a lot of you have heard us talk about or maybe have heard in your own life a prayer called the prayer of examine. And this is a way of setting yourself before God, typically at the end of your day. Uh, Some people do it like once a week and look throughout their whole week. Um, But you set yourself before God in prayer and you kind of go through the events of your day, but with the Holy Spirit. And you ask the Spirit to reveal things to you that you may have missed throughout the day. Reveal to you maybe the intentions of your heart as you did something or had a conversation or felt a certain way. You ask the Holy Spirit to turn the light on for those things. And we're so busy that it's like we try to listen to God during the day and have a prayerful life and spirit, you know? Um, and, And yet God is so gracious to be with us in moments like this, to reveal to us the things he was saying earlier in the day that maybe we missed because we were too busy, too distracted. So the prayer of examine is a way to put yourself before God and ask these questions. You're like, how else am I supposed to take care of my heart? It's separating out this time to ask God to specifically examine your heart and your motivations so that you can um, love your neighbor. And the second thing is reading scripture. We learn from this text that we can be confident in reading our whole Bible because we're either reading about the signposts that point to Jesus or we're reading about Jesus himself. So if we think about the whole Bible as the law, the word, the covenants of God to us, then we need to know what's in there (laughs) in order for it to guide us. The reason Jesus was able to teach what he taught um, is because he was a good student of the law. He loved it. Uh, He had it memorized. He had conversations about it all day long. He knew what to say about the human heart because he knew the Bible. And so you and I, if we want to be guided by the Spirit, if we want to be guided in the ways of, of holiness and purity, we need to know these scriptures, even begin to memorize them. We need to be steeped in what God actually is saying to the world through the Bible. And lastly is seeking outside guidance. This may be a counselor or a friend or a spouse or a spiritual director or a pastor. We often, more often than not, need the voice of trusted others to speak on, our behalf, on Jesus' behalf to us. A lot of times I think I'm hiding all of my motives and it's actually written all over me. <laughs> People who know me are like, hey, I don't think that that's coming out of a place that you wanted to, you know. It's often other people who are able to recognize those things in me long before I'm able to recognize them in myself. So the second thing that's the work of the Christian, the gift of Jesus as the fulfillment of the law. First one is to guard your own heart, and the second is to see the heart in others. The Holy Spirit gives us eyes to see and ears to hear. This thing that Mark prays for, that Mark uh, quotes Jesus saying all the time throughout the whole gospel, having eyes to see and ears to hear, this is the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is what the Spirit gives us as Christians. And it's not just to hear and to see God, but to hear and to see others. Clearly, that is a big deal for Jesus here. Um, If we are to love our neighbor better, we ought to learn how to see them and hear them better. That's a part of what this is. And so what the Spirit gives us is the ability of Jesus to like kind of see beyond what's going on on the surface in other people, to see past these sort of um, attitudes, uh, anger, even positivity in some people, optimism, to see past those things and into the heart of someone so that you can be there and love them in the way that they really need to be loved. I'll give you an example that throws myself under the bus here. So I was, um, this was years ago, 
I would had you know this group of friends, and someone had kind of made their way into the group of friends, as people do sometimes, and I would not have chosen this person for myself, but that's the way that it goes. So uh, she was in this group of friends, and she did something that deeply hurt me and kind of embarrassed me and was, was just, just sinned against me. And I handled it very well by um, being passive-aggressive and um, petty, and that's the way it went on for a long time. It was terrible because it made me not want to go to any of these moments where I knew she was going to be there. And anyways, it was just not a, not a great moment in, in my spiritual formation. And, um, and one of the biggest wake-up calls of my adult life came out of this moment from my spouse, which is um, a kind thing for God to do, was the most, it, it was a very important moment for me. And what my husband said to me after coming back from a restaurant with this person, and I had just been an awful dinner guest. He said to me, I wish you would take your eyes off of yourself for one minute and look into someone else's heart. And it was a moment for me where I realized that I was still functioning on the basis of my own survival and my, what I can get out of a situation. And I was not able often enough to turn my gaze out of myself and onto someone else, even someone else who has sinned against me, to look into their heart and ask maybe what's going on behind it. And so I finally started to do this out of this deep embarrassment that happened to me in my own living room. And um, I started to pray for her and ask God to give me eyes to see the heart behind the kind of coldness that she had towards me. And I began to see these things. And I don't mean that to say, like, I began to see all the heart that was in, or all the hurt that was in her heart, and I started to pity her, and that's why I could be kind to her. That's not even what it was. It was just that I started to see the human that she was, and appreciate her gifts, and the things that she had to offer the world, and who God had created her to be. And out of that, I had a moment, I was in seminary at the time, and I, I was sitting in a New Testament class, I don't remember what else happened, and I remember the Spirit saying, you need to call her, and you need to say you're sorry. And so I did. I left the class. I called her. Which, that's a New Testament class. Should that do, do that to you, right? You should be reconciled to people. So I left the classroom. I called her, had dinner, and I, I told her I was so sorry for everything that had happened. And I told her I wanted to be on her team. And then she shared even more of her heart with me. All the things I thought I was seeing, she laid open in front of me. We had this beautiful moment of reconciliation. And it was maybe the most Christian moment of my life to be reconciled to someone that there was no, felt like there was no hope for. And that's the gift of a Christian, is that you're meant for spiritual formation. You're meant to guard your heart. You're meant to take care of your own life and to be the kind of person that God wants you to be. You are also meant to see the heart in others, to not be reactive or offended, but to ask God, what's going on behind this thing? You're meant to see those things. You're meant to have that gift what a beautiful thing that's meant for you and for me to see the heart of the matter, that God would give us that and invite us into the work that he's doing. I'm so grateful for Jesus who doesn't pull any punches, who won't let us remain as we are, but he loves us in the same way that if my kid has a destructive or terrible behavior that is going to end up hurting herself or others, I want her to do better and be better. And out of the love of my heart as a parent, I pull her into that. It's the same energy that God has towards us. It's why we call him Father, because he pulls us in as a parent and says, you can be better. 
Things can be better through me, through what I've done for you. So go with God this week, your Father who loves you and calls you into something deeper and greater. We love you guys. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday. Hello, friends. This is Matthew, the lead pastor at Emmanuel Anglican Church in East Atlanta. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We are disciples of Jesus who are seeking his kingdom and the flourishing of our neighbors. And if you want to find out more about Emmanuel and what's going on, just hop over to our website. The address is Emmanuel, that's with an I, EmmanuelATL.org. Thanks so much. God bless you. Grace and peace.